Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And support the show and access our after shows and live streams at patreon.com forward slash gays revolting pod. Hello boys, another week in isolation. <laughs> How are we doing? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, you're the one that's been going around screaming. <laughs> it's you! <laughs> I do wonder when they, like, and look, I, you know, I'm not for the policing or whatever, but I do wonder when they catch these people that are like going across the city for a butter chicken or, uh-huh. or what was the last excuse? Oh, the guy that drove 45 minutes to get a packet of cigarettes yeah. from a particular shop that sells them cheap. Oh, yeah. I do wonder how they're unaware of everything that's happening right now. I know. Yeah. Literally, like, all the clients at work are ringing up being like, I live in such and such place an hour away is it okay if i still come i'm just like no it's not for what (laughs) who needs a fucking haircut you're not showing yourself to anybody put a hat on you'll be right (laughs) i i do think there is cognitive dissonance though yeah in, in terms of the messaging that we have like i was talking to someone about this at work today being like it's so confusing to have this messaging coming saying there's four reasons to leave the house girly which is you got to work, you got to study, you got to take care of someone. You know, you have these four reasons. Mm. But at the same time, the businesses outside of those four reasons are all still operating. Yeah, it's so weird to see retail shops open. Like, it just doesn't seem like they should be open. Like, why are people like shopping for pots? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> weird. Yeah, well, they're not one of the four reasons. So, therefore, they should be closed because yeah. we're not meant to leave. So, it creates this dissonance i feel when you're walking around and you're like if this thing's open then surely it means i'm allowed to partake in that service yeah, i agree but if you're listening to the direct messaging which is what i believe we should be doing you shouldn't be going to partake in those services if they aren't one of the four reasons but anyway it's a anyway. weird <laughs> this is turning to granny bingo wireless <laughs> i have uh, 
Glenn and I had our first fight. Oh, exciting. What did you do wrong? I know, right? You like killed him in his sleep. (laughs) This is my top tip to any listeners is if you're in a new relationship, don't play this game that what I invented because I invented this game called (laughs) The Thing I Like About You Least Is. Oh, God. (laughs) That's not a good one. Generally, most people don't need that tip, to be honest. (laughs) I need it because I'm not good with cues. Or like hints, and so we played that. It's sort of round robin. You go back and forth. We could do it in this group, Glenn. If, Glenn, if you're listening to this and you need help, blink twice. <laughs> Did you blink? <laughs> Did you blink? <laughs> well, we have a uh, jam-packed episode. We've got a few things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, to talk to us about how people living with a disability experience discrimination in the queer community, we'll be joined by Erin Kyan, uh, who's a trans poet, writer, and podcast producer. And in our after show, we've got another amazing interview with queer sex worker Dylan O'Hara, chatting to us about the fight to decriminalize sex work in Victoria and how the pandemic has affected the local industry. But before all of that, uh, we do have a little bit of an announcement to make. We're um, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eight months and I don't know who the dad is. I'm with um, child. <laughs> no, um, we have decided that as a show, we are going on an indefinite hiatus. Bum, bum, uh, bum. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will be finishing up in a few episodes, um, not forever. Mm-hmm. We are going to be taking a break, um, an extended permanently. break. Permanently. Permanently. <laughs> indefinitely. Until we die. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's a hard thing, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah. you know, we, we've, talk, we've covered so much and we've interviewed so many amazing people. Mm. And we've told so many of our, our own stories and it has been fantastic. And, and the feedback and response we've had from people has just been amazing. But I kind of, I, 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 we've talked about this off air, I, I feel like we're sort of all in agreement that, you know, it's time for, for other people to be now telling those stories and investigating those things. And one thing I'm really proud of is that when we started this podcast, there wasn't really any Australian, you know, regular uh, gay podcasts that were happening. And now there's so many amazing ones on Lip Media, Mm -hmm. but also others that aren't on Lip Media as well. And there's so many amazing voices out there. to be on Lip Media. (laughs) 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 Like, it's good to have goals. But there's so many amazing voices out there, and and it's great you know, that's, I think that's an amazing thing that people mm. now can jump on and hear people from their community talking. Yeah. So as sad as we are to be yeah. ending it, I think best for us to, you know, go out while we're yeah. loving it and enjoying it. I just and... kind of wish you guys could have told me this before we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> Should have come to the production meeting. It fully <laughs> feels like I'm getting broken up with on yeah. air. <laughs> it's you, it's not us. <laughs> I'm joking, I knew about it too. It feels like a good time with... God, how long's it been? Like two years? Two years, yeah. Well, the thing that I like about it is that we're going to end on our hundred and one episode, which yes. means if there was an episode that you hated, you can just pretend that one didn't happen. Uh, and there was one out. Can we like dress up as Dalmatians for our last? It's going to be puppy themed. <laughs> our last um, episode. We'll also be doing one last live stream on Thursday, the twentieth of August at eight pm. Mm-hmm. So after we record that um, puppy themed hundred and one one episode mm. for our patrons our patrons who have really supported and helped us get here and do our, our live concerts and everything what we love mm. we'll be doing another live stream where you can chat to us because people always say real dirty stuff to us in those I live streams <laughs> i love it <laughs> and a little side comment 
Yeah. I can, yeah. Thank God we're sitting down because I'd be cracking a boner every time oh, we get God. on those. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, I honestly, like, when we started, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a cool, fun thing. Maybe, like, 100 people will listen to this. Totally. And, like, the yeah, reach. Yeah, I, I think had. someone asked us about it at the Sydney live show. Yeah. 100% no, I did not. When When... Dan, the producer, was putting this together. I thought, because you know, so many people start podcasts. And yeah, so much work that goes into it. Mm. I thought, oh yeah, that'll be good for a couple of weeks just to do something, and I can test out some jokes or whatever. And no, I did not think that it would have the traction that it, that it has had, yeah. and um, that it would resonate with people as strongly as it has. And I'm so proud that it has. You know, that some of the messages we've been getting from people, especially people that are like, exactly. well, in rural areas, but not necessarily just physically isolated mm. areas, but also socially isolated areas. I mean, I know when I was like 17, 18 and still in high school, I was yeah. just searching everywhere yeah. for information and for connection to community because I Absolutely. hadn't, yet, you know, found the physical queer spaces. So I'm just so glad that, that, that they've been able to connect um, with the community. Gosh, it's it's it seems so surreal. Like I remember having that first drink with our producer to discuss yeah. the show, and I was like, "This is so something I would never do." Yeah, like, this guy is so outside the norm. <laughs> I was just so, like, so had so much internalized homophobia. I was like, "Oh god, I can't be so public in a way yeah. and like show people how gay I am." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you've changed the most over the course. Of the I feel show. honestly, I feel like I've changed a lot. Like I get emotional thinking about the whole journey of it all and I, I remember having that first chat with Dan our amazing producer and him saying how he really wanted the show to become like this big thing and to do live shows and I was just like yeah live <laughs> shows let's get real buddy <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like you know what I always say no to this kind of thing like let's let's just say yes and just see what happens like who knows mm. what it could lead to and I'm honestly so so fucking happy I did and meeting you boys and just building these relationships mm. with you and the like amazing amazing people we've met along the way and like the messages we've received it's 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 honestly changed the course of my life and mm. i think who, what i've grown into and who i've become and i'm honestly so grateful and i love you guys and i thank you oh, so much I love you too Kai. I also, <laughs> glad thank to see you. you off the pipe <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you got me there <laughs> we got you on there and we got you off it i did i did want to say you know as sad as it is to to wrap up, um, yeah, we're calling it an indefinite hiatus because I think all four of us and plus our producer um, is definitely open to the pop opportunity of us getting our ends wet together again at some and making point a movie. Yeah, <laughs> like we can do some special <laughs> one-offs and stuff. Yeah. So please don't unsubscribe to the podcast. No. Stay yeah. subscribed so that if we do do some specials in the future, you'll get your little If some like outstanding gay event happened, like Elton John stabbed Lady Gaga or something, we would like <laughs> jumping on it. in the comment on it. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what uh, the other journey I love that's happened mm. with this podcast, and maybe that's this is why it has to end, is that when we started this podcast None of us were in a relationship, and now oh my god, and literally, all of us Luke just got in in the nickelback of time. <laughs> yeah, that's so it has yeah. to end. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I would say though, it's been uh, I am really grateful to Brassy Little Bumblebee, our producer, uh, uh, amazing. Producer, we would absolutely man. not be here without him, especially for giving a platform specifically to people of color. Um, within our community and something I'll always take away from that is being able to realize how important that is to me and being mm -hmm. able to contribute as a voice amongst the queer colored community has been an amazing, amazing opportunity that I'd never in a hundred years 
expected and you know i thought we'd done about two weeks worth of episodes so this is all coming <laughs> as a real big shock to me that it's been two years yeah like i'm really excited to see not only what other projects come out of the four of us yeah and mm-hmm. what we do with the platform that we've created and the reach that we have within our community yeah it's an opportunity for us to make new new things for you guys to watch and listen and and get your life to as well as to hear from some voices that aren't the four of us fighting <laughs> each, each week. Oh, guys i'm not i'm not sure what i'm gonna do like it's just such like a regular thing to have to do this each week and talk to you boys it's it's like therapy for me honestly mm, like, i think we're just gonna I have don't... to keep catching up on thursdays yeah yeah <laughs> Can we do it in this recording room, though, if we're going to yes, catch up? Yes, let's be the studio. <laughs> we'll just continue doing the podcast, but we won't record it. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, should, we should do, like, a, a finishing episode where we just get, like, hammered and record I'm hammered episode. every episode. I don't yeah, know. Like, that yeah. is accurate. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, thank you to all of our fans. I'm thank sorry so if that comes as a bit of a shock to you guys, but yeah. we also want the, our last bunch of episodes to be of really high quality. We want yeah. to make sure we're giving you good content so we, it's sort of that all ties in together where we want you to you feel like we love you and, and we're giving it our all and that mm. we're like what we're like an absent father. We might come back someday. <laughs> you know, we're like a really cigarettes. Ne- so <laughs> <laughs> we're like a neglectful parent. We, we might return. Just like, <laughs> oh, I need some money. Hang on, I'm back. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So we have three more episodes after this one, uh, which we are going to make absolutely amazing for you. So stick with us for the last three. Um, of course, jump into our Facebook group, The Gays Revolting, if there's anything that you would really love for us to talk about that we haven't covered in the last hundred episodes. <laughs> and we are going to keep that group going because there's been some really amazing conversations in there um, yeah. from people that are looking for connections or advice or just sharing information um, that sort of goes along with the grain of, of the of the podcast. So if you are a member of that, that Facebook group, The Gays Revolting, Facebook group, uh, stay stay in there, and if you're not, feel free to join it because um, yeah, there's a really lovely sense of community in there. And hey, jump in there and suggest some other podcasts that people yeah. can listen to as well. Could you imagine being so organised that you left Facebook groups once you <laughs> <laughs> the whole time you were saying that, Tom? I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> but I'm, uh, tonight's tonight's a cool episode. We have got some cool episodes left, and yes, um, yeah. the, you know, I. No, I bleached my hair so bad that I think... Oh, it, I forgot. Like, that happened right before I deleted oh. my socials. Oh, my God. I think Is your hair still orange? I think it did some... Excuse me. I mean... Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> ombre? Excuse me. No, I... I didn't say orange. I said ombre. Call me KFC because it is fried, bitch. It Ooh. is fried. You know what KFC stands for? Kyle's favorite chicken. <laughs> yeah, that, that picture you sent the other day, I was like, oh, that is rough. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's never Luke, been I need played. to come over for a care visit to care for your oh, hair. Please, please, so. can you? I think <laughs> that's definitely a care. Uh, that you, while you're doing that, if you could come over and fix my housemate's hair, I, he, oh God, so he decided he wanted to go like <laughs> silver gray. Yeah, yeah. And because he's got really dark hair, he was like, oh, and it's really thick dark hair too. He's like, Oh, can you bleach my hair and then we'll dye it gray? So he bought the bleach and then he bought the gray. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I did the bleach, but I don't think I did it long enough because it just sort of went orange. And then I was like, oh, it'll be okay. We'll put the gray dye in over the top. And then that'll 
that old turn of gray. Look like an old man. So now. we put the gray. Oh no, we put the gray die in, and it just hasn't done anything. Yeah. So, I'm, but luckily he can't see anyone else except me. So I just keep saying, "Oh yeah, it's a really, <laughs> it's a really gray kind of blonde, isn't it? It's a really yeah, yeah. wow, oh, so gray. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. could come and fix that before the end of isolation. Yeah. That yeah. would save we, me I a can lot of hassle. Come and sort you out. That's funny. <laughs> you know, like a gay Mary Poppins. But there was literally the same thing because Glenn was like, "I bleach he." This is him saying this. He was yeah. like, "Oh, I bleach my hair. It, it's so easy. I'll do yours." Like, but like, you have such thick, dark, dark hair. And you I was like, "Asian dude, hair." And he I know. I was hair. like, "Babe, you have the whitest dude white hair. Yeah. Like, you were, <laughs> it's it's like a couple of sticks on a thing. Like that ain't nothing compared to a Filipino head of hair, mm-hmm. baby." Mm-hmm. But anyway, we did it anyway. It's fun if you if you enjoy the feeling of your head. Slightly burning and eroding away. Slightly. <laughs> I also just wanted to say thank you very much to everyone that messaged me from last week's episode. It was um pretty crazy getting a whole bunch of stuff on Instagram, and I think it ties into ending the show. But realizing how many people really do sort of pay yeah. attention to our lives and what's happening, yeah. and how mm-hmm. they made last week a really sort of beautiful time and and Mm. being able to tiptoe back into reality and interacting with people and people that shared with me stories of their own personal grief and and things that they've dealt with this year it's been a a, yeah i really appreciate it so thank you to those people too it was um very kind of you except for a couple of you that made comments about my hair as well (laughs) (laughs) you're on the the naughty list pick one or the other babe you can either be condolences or your hair looks wrecked (laughs) you you can't do both both. you can't do both babe Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so we're really excited to speak to us about his creative work and discrimination against members of our community that are disabled. We're joined by Erin Kian, a trans artist, poet, zine maker, and podcast producer. Man, that is a quadruple threat from Melbourne. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us, Erin. Thank you for having me. And yes, I love hats. I just love to collect different hats to wear, different roles to be. It's my favorite thing to do. We are are such a multifaceted, you know, we love our triple, quadruple, What's after quadruple? Quintriple. Quintru- Quintru- Quint something. <laughs> Quint threats. You know, that's what we're yeah. all about it. But um So disability is a term that encompasses sort of a wide range of like sensory, physical, and cognitive, and also um, psychological abilities. And in 2018, the Trobe University published a report about the difficulties faced by LGBTI people with disabilities. Um so 
what sort of cultural ideas around disability exist in our community and what way do we see discrimination sort of playing out? Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. It's a very good question. It's a very broad question. Yes, it there's is. No, <laughs> there's no single answer to that. Yeah. How disability is viewed in the trans community is very different from how I found it to be viewed in like the cis gay community. Mm. So like even within our community, there's these different ideas in different pockets. I think it's fairly safe to say that the majority of the queer community views disability the same way the majority of the straight world (laughs) views disability, which is that it's some kind of deficit in a person. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I have to be honest; I'm not a hundred percent sure what non-disabled people think of us all that much because I don't usually want their opinions. Of course, um, <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, it's like when people you. ask us what straight people think about us, I'm like, oh yuck. I don't yeah, like don't. I would care. like you to not think about me. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Um, yeah. Like I think discrimination is kind of the thing where it does come up though right like that's where you're like oh i see i see we're we're viewing this in really different ways Mm. so i feel like a little bit of useful theory that might be helpful to think about is there's two kind of main models of thinking of disability there's the medical model and the social model of disability so the medical model of disability says that there's something wrong with your body like there's something about your body that doesn't work right and that's why you're disabled The social model of disability says that it's not your body that's wrong. It's that society isn't supporting you to be taking part in it. Mm. So I know that might be a little bit weird to think of because we do tend to think of disability as primarily a physical uh, or mental condition. Um, And the idea behind the social model is that, uh, so for example, I'm going to use myself as an example, right? I use a wheelchair to get around outside. Me using a wheelchair isn't the problem. The problem is that places aren't wheelchair accessible. For sure, That's yeah. what the social model of disability refers to. Some people are very heavily mod- medical models. Some people are very heavily social models. Some people are in between. Unsurprisingly, disabled people are not a monolith. <laughs> so, you know, we can't all agree on the one thing, just like any community. But I think those ways of thinking about it are the main ways people think about disability within the disabled community. Mm. And I imagine that, for abled people, everyone is pretty much all focused on that medical model. Everyone's like, you're disabled because there's something wrong with you. Something's broken. Yeah, And that can be true for some people. I know a lot of people with chronic illness definitely think of themselves that way. But even if we do view it as, okay, there's something wrong with my body, there's a really big gap between, okay, something is not working quite right and I'm broken. Like these are actually two really different concepts that are usually conflated. Mm. And that's so interesting to to hear that as well uh, in in terms of when you tie that into how people view sexuality as well as being this binary Mm. kind of thing that's normal and this other way which is wrong or or different you know it's familiar right yeah it's it's really similar to how queerness is treated like yeah oh you're not straight therefore you're broken well it's like no i'm just not straight (laughs) yeah exactly you know and a lot of people with disabilities and myself included like that's kind of where we are on that it's like i'm not broken i'm just different but i always think for abled people a safer starting point is to assume that we're not broken because that's certainly (laughs) the more 
humanizing <laughs> starting point, I think. Yeah. That's rather a top, than... top tip for yeah. the evening, guys. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. start, at, start at that <laughs> level. But it's so true. Like, yeah. uh, within the, the realms of sexuality and, and gender identity, all the voices that we've shared on this show have really supported the idea that none of us are a monolith in, mm. in our community. Mm. And I, I think that's why it's so great to have you on the show and have different guests each week now is we get to share different slices of what it lived experiences are and reiterate that there isn't this one size fits all solution yeah. to to, mm. to all these issues. But what's interesting is you did mention, you know, wheelchair access for one and how much of the social queer community has been built around our nightlife, our clubs, mm. our drag shows, our venues. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this kind of focus on the accessibility to differently abled members of our community. Mm. Like, obviously, it has to be more than just putting in a ramp at a venue. Like, it, it must be it a does. bigger issue than, than... Although, can I just say, that would be a great place to start. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. most places fail that first step. Yeah. <laughs> Tip number two from Aaron tonight, let's start with the <laughs> It would be, I mean, yeah, every time I go somewhere now, because I haven't always used a wheelchair. Um, I've been disabled since I was a child, but I only started using a wheelchair in the last few years uh, because I have a progressive condition. Mm-hmm. Like, my ability to go places... First, it took a massive skydive because I couldn't go out at all. And then I got the wheelchair and I was like, cool, I can go out again. Oh, actually, I can't actually go to like a good 60% of places I used to be able to go. It's really frustrating because not only are places not accessible, but they won't even tell you that. You'll have to call them and be like, hey, are you wheelchair accessible? And then the person on the other end doesn't know because it's usually, you know, the bartender or something. And they're just like, um, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or like, um, maybe you could. You could maybe Possibly. sort it out. Yeah. Um, oh, the maybe God. is a big one. Or my personal favorite is when, and this is especially common in pubs, the venue is wheelchair accessible, like, or, or quote unquote wheelchair accessible in that it's theoretically possible to get a wheelchair in. Um, yes. But then <laughs> there's no accessible toilet. So oh. go to the pub, but don't have a drink. Yeah, no. Um, you won't be able to go to the bathroom. None of that. Yeah. Right? You're playing with wow. fire there. You're playing with fire. But yeah, it's that kind of like, it depends. We're, yeah. we're, we're accessible to an extent or something of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and again, that's even if you can get in the door at all. I mean, I don't know of any wheelchair accessible sex on premises venue in Melbourne, in Australia, really. Um, yeah. So that's been something that like wheelchair using just like queer men have been kept out of forever. Yeah, it's it's really uncomfortable to have to be the person to call places and be like, hey, can I come in? And then they have to go, no. And yeah. the worst part is that you just kind of have to go, okay, thanks, and hang up instead of being like, well, why not? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> why don't you want my money? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of things that affect accessibility. Like really common if we're talking about nightlife, flashing lights, like strobing lights are like in every nightclub yeah and those things can trigger seizures and migraines and just be a real bad time for sure and there's not usually a warning when you go in either because this is the thing a lot of stuff around accessibility if we're warned about it we can adjust our plans accordingly 
it's not knowing that's the biggest problem. Like, even when I have to bloody call someone and be like, hey, can I get in the door? I would much rather go to their website and, like, have a little accessibility note on their uh-huh. contact us page or something that's like, unfortunately, we are not wheelchair accessible. Great, you just saved me a phone call. Like, yeah. that kind of stuff would be really helpful. And it just um, makes so much sense. If you Google a venue, they have the analytics now to tell you their peak busy times just through, like, right? the power of, of <laughs> yeah. technology. But yeah warnings about excessive strobe lighting etc because some of the shows i've seen y'all are crazy yeah Um, they're intense and that should just be there as a general warning for anyone attending yeah that's it yeah that's true like gonna flash the house down boots at you you (laughs) (laughs) and it's also works out really well because people who really like strobing effects like i really love strobing flashing (laughs) i think it's cool as hell but so like i see that and i'm like hell yeah i want to go to that you know (laughs) (laughs) you know it's and, and i think that's kind of like when we talk about accessibility, I think a lot of people think of it as like this checklist, right? Like I'm going to yes. tick off. Yes, we've got a wheelchair ramp. Yes, we've got an accessible toilet. You know, yes, we've got warnings about any flashing lights. We've got captions for our movie night. We've got, you know, and that's all good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't want to be down on that at all. But like accessibility is more than just this idea of a checklist. Like yeah. at a very basic level, accessibility is the pathway between a disabled person and the thing they are trying to access. So when you are presenting, you know, what we call accessibility accommodations, you are presenting something to get someone from being unable to access the thing to being able to access the thing. Um, And the reason I say that to think of it like with this framework is because if you wear glasses, you're disabled, right? But you don't think of yourself that way because glasses are so normal. Mm, The path has been smoothed for you to wear glasses in every part of your life. That's not the case in something like using a wheelchair or you know being deaf or something like that so like accessibility it's 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 about creating a relationship between the thing and the disabled person trying to get at it Mm -hmm. if something is inaccessible it means that that relationship either doesn't exist or can't exist or is being forced not to exist and that's where it starts becoming a problem because Mm -hmm. whenever we talk about you know disabled people in the queer community there's always this kind of like how do we like let them in and i'm like why aren't you more concerned about what you're missing without it (laughs) like why is it oh i guess we should you know i guess we should put in some bare minimum effort and like Uh let the disabled people in but it's like we can really do a lot for the community if you let us like i know so many queer disabled people and they get so much stuff done it's it's interesting to me that it's always presented in this very strange power dynamic where it's assumed that disabled people are like on this lower tier of interaction with the community. Yeah, I have seen some event listings and I'm not going to like shame anyone, but you read those event listings on Facebook and it almost seems like patronizing, like we're doing you a favor Mm. by granting you access to this event. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like I would rather people be condescending and have the information out there than not have the information out there, (laughs) don't get me wrong. You know, and I think the main way to combat against that is to stop thinking of us as separate, you know. We're we're not outside the community somehow. Like we're here already. There are so many, so many queer disabled people, you know. If you're not seeing us, that's because of your own 
position in yeah. you know, how you, you interact with the community. The community. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And like involving us as well, especially when it comes to events, one of the easiest ways to deal with this is to involve disabled people in your planning committee. the planning, yeah. Yes. Have the disabled people on your team hire disabled people. That will make it a lot more organic when you start looking at access needs because there'll be someone there who's like, well, I could only come to this thing with this thing, so let's look at this other stuff, mm-hmm, you yeah. know? Uh, so like you've talked a little bit about it just then um but yes, like sorry i go off on no no <laughs> i'm so sorry no i love it it's fantastic <laughs> it's very informative and it's great to listen to um but like do you think there's some sort of degree of ableism that we need to acknowledge in our queer community and like what do we do need to do to acknowledge it as a community of queer people so there's a few things i yeah. think so when it comes to events like i one of the things i'm a big fan of is using accessible venues even if you don't need it to be accessible okay yeah you know if you're organizing an event for midsummer right like organizing it at an accessible venue still having your accessibility information there like then even if no disabled people come you're still giving your financial support via using the venue to an accessible venue and i think thinking about business like that is actually a a very underappreciated form of improving disabled inclusion by making it more normal to have that stuff you make it easier for disabled people to go and then like in terms of like <laughs> trying to be i'm trying to be diplomatic uh, <laughs> i can tell actually <laughs> i can totally tell from that little ball there i was like, like oh. I, know, I know that little two second yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because, unfortunately, like, a lot of the problem is individual people. Yeah. Like, yes, we have this community-wide problem, but it's a community-wide problem because it occurs in individual people yeah. in the first place, if that makes sense, like, aside from the structural stuff. Because the structural stuff is usually around things like accessibility. Yeah. And as I said, some general, like, maybe mainstream ideas of disability that leaks in from, you know, the mainstream world. But, like, I... So here's a, a genuine question. Like... Would you date someone disabled? Like if I'm, someone came up on Tim, Tinder who was disabled? Like I like for me personally, mm. I'm all about the person. Like I couldn't care less about your physical attributes whatsoever. If it is a physical attribute that we're talking about here. I think a more realistic question would be to ask if someone would date me in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I like previously I've dated people with sort of cognitive disabilities and and yeah. have found that mm. it, it's in any, any relationship you bring things to the table and and That's it. you date a person rather than a, yes. a set of sort of pros and cons so to me that has personally never been an issue but no. if we're flipping the questions onto us i definitely something that resonates with me with what you said is when you're organizing an event for example to be asking mm. those questions and to choose the right venues because it, yeah. it normalizes the conversation. And then gays love to throw an event, you know. Right? If That's we had a <laughs> fringe show, we got a midsummer show, then we got something for, you know, COVID, you know, in the background. But we're doing shows consistently throughout the year. And if every time we're asking them mm. those important questions about accessibility and, and bathrooms and the basic things, it becomes normalized when you're exactly. booking a venue and then the venue starts to realize everyone's asking me these fucking questions because this is yes. normal. Yeah. And we need and to do And especially if you 
pass on a venue if it's not wheelchair accessible. You say, sorry, we really need it to be accessible. Yeah. Enough people do that. It adds up because so often, especially around accessibility in events, venues love to go, oh, it's too expensive to make our venue accessible. It's it's a favorite. God, I wish I had a dollar for every time I'd heard it. Yeah. And it's it's again, it's ironic that it's never what's the cost of not being accessible. You know, how much money are you leaving on the table? Cause like, Hey, like got news for you. Disabled people have money and we would like to go out and do things. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, like the reason I turned that question, it's not necessarily like, I'm not picking on you guys specifically. No. <laughs> like, I'm more... You like it, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> um, like it's more of a, if I can ask you, the hosts that hopefully the people listening think that too. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, a lot of people like, I don't know, like, what if going to the gym is a massive integral part of your life, right? And, like, like you're one of them muscle gays and you need to, like, date another muscle gay. You're probably not going to date someone chronically ill then. And the thing is, that's actually fine because you're not turning, you're not being like, oh, no, I couldn't because they're disabled. You're being, oh, no, I can't because they can't, they're not compatible with what I'm looking for in a partner. And I think this is where things get tricky right? Because like, you shouldn't have to try to date people you're not compatible with. (laughs) I learned that lesson the hard way. (laughs) Oh, haven't we all? (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, you know, but you also have to go, okay, but what am I assuming? Mm. Um, Like, I know I've had, uh, I've had some very awkward online conversations, not recently, thankfully, Uh, COVID has killed dating, but um, (laughs) you know, because I'm really into like DS stuff. And so there's a lot of like, oh, I want, you know, I want a guy who's going to like make me really and i'm like i know how to do that like i have all the information to make that happen i'm just not going to be doing it with you yeah yeah, <laughs> you yeah. <know? laughs> and it's really interesting because then you there's suddenly that little ping of like oh oh that's not what i want and it's like okay i think you need to go away and think a bit harder about what you want then yeah. and i genuinely don't think that's an example of like disability discrimination i think that's an example of people not thinking through what's actually important to them mm-hmm. literally every disabled queer i know has at least one usually 10 horror stories about like being turned down in often very rude ways Ugh. especially uh my friends who use wheelchairs like i fortunately haven't had this but like almost everyone i know has had an experience of setting up a date uh you know you meet on tinder or something and then the person comes in and literally just walks out again without what? even saying hello Oh, um, God. And that I have a much harder time thinking is a compatibility issue, sure. right? Like, that's just rude, you know? Yeah. People who acquire disabilities, whether in their 20s or 30s or whatever, often suddenly experience losing mm. a huge amount of social capital yes. in their community. That's where you have to go, okay, something's up because the person hasn't changed. Yeah. So if someone who already has like quite a lot of social capital and is quite popular and has never had trouble getting a date is suddenly struggling with all of that. And the only thing that's changed is that they're disabled now. Mm. Um, I mean, unfortunately I don't really have a cure for this because like, it's like any kind of discrimination, like when it comes to dating, right? Like you can't police people's individual interactions mm. or, or preferences i try, but they're... I try. <laughs> <laughs> let me rephrase i personally can't do that i encourage you to because yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah like it's not even necessarily people's fault because 
we're fed these ideas about what makes someone attractive. We're fed these ideas yeah. about what makes someone a valuable partner. Like it's really, really common. I mean, me and my partner get this all the time. Like people will see someone, an abled person dating a disabled person, be like, oh, you're so brave. Oh, you're oh, so, yeah. aren't you good? Aren't you good for dating the cripple? Like, yeah. you know, and fortunately I'm kind of, I find that kind of funny these days, but I, I only find it funny because it's happened often enough that I've built up that sort of defense humor to it. You know, and also because like if like when it comes to me and my partner, he's the one that would be lost without me. So <laughs> you know. Um, I don't think he'd mind if I said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's interesting on that on that note, one mm. of the things that was highlighted in the Latrobe University report uh was a lack of sexual freedom and expression mm. of those members that are intersecting in the LGBTI community and the disability communities. Like, it's fascinating to talk about how someone who may experience that shift in their life later on and lose that amount of social capital. Do you think it's something that's sort of like a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy and that the lack of access to the venues then creates a lack of access to the community that then leads to a lack Absolutely. of sexual uh, yes. expression that then doubles back around to not engaging in do you know, does that make sense? Is that? Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, it does. You're absolutely on the money. Like, I mean, as I said, I, when I had to start using a wheelchair, I lost access to a lot of places that previously I had gone, you know, like it's very hard to maintain much sort of social momentum if you're mm. suddenly locked out of a lot of stuff that's really normal and common in the community. Yeah. It's especially important to make sure that we don't lose people, mm. you know? Isolation is a massive problem for queer people in general. You don't want to compound that with them being disabled as well. Like both like LGBTIQA plus people and disabled people both have extremely high rates of isolation and loneliness and a lack of like community and a lack of yeah you know like just being with each other you know and you put those things together and it's not like you just get the the same level of mm. those you it compounds yeah. um, and so one thing i want to chat about is sort of negative body image which mm. tends to be quite a major issue in the queer community but i'm guessing with people with physical disabilities that can be quite an issue in some cases as well um so if you don't mind me asking, as someone with a physical disability, how has your relationship with your body sort of changed over time? Yeah. So, I mean, in my particular, I'm not a great test case for this. Okay. <laughs> partially because I became disabled while I was a kid. So my, my like, I don't have like an abled adult body mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. um, my body's just my body. So I live at this very interesting intersection of being disabled, transgender and fat. And these things mean that to most of the world, I am basically the most abominable thing that can exist. Oh and it's worth noting that I don't think of myself that way. And I actually never have. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I've never struggled with body image because that, oh, come on, that would be a huge lie. Yeah. But like, I found it a lot easier because I am this sort of trinity of like abominableness that I stopped caring about what was like, generally considered attractive mm -hmm. a the really long time ago attractiveness yeah i'm just like i don't care <laughs> like you know i care yeah. what i think is attractive i care about like how i perceive myself for sure and you know especially like my personal tastes are not very mainstream so like 
I don't suffer from that kind of like, oh, I'm ugly by my own standards. It's like, no, I'm fucking hot by my own standards, actually. <laughs> like, <Yes>. <laughs> so, like, I'm not the best test case for that. <laughs> but, like, definitely I see it all the time. You know, people struggle with, like, oh, no one's going to want to date me because of this. No one's going to date me because of this. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know this sounds like a really small thing, but one of the major reasons I think we end up in those sort of loops and that that self-hating hole mm. is because we don't see disabled people being celebrated as attractive. Yeah, There's no, like, centerfold of, like, disabled people. There's no... You know, there is porn of it, but it's usually extremely dehumanizing, right? Like it's not yeah. a, it's not celebratory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, do you know how excited I was when, like, a wheelchair using man won Mister Le- Mr. Leather International? I just, I was Amazing. so excited, like, so because that's like that was such a huge thing. That was like, look, it literally the ideal leather man in the world, <laughs> and he uses a wheelchair, and that was huge. Hmm. And I saw that ripple across like the global queer disabled community everyone was like oh my god like like look like he's so hot everyone thinks he's hot and it's like you can be hot and disabled you know because we just don't see it it's just not presented as an option it's not presented as an option to disabled people to see ourselves as and it's not presented as an option to abled people to let them go oh maybe i can be attracted to a disabled person Mm. you know like so it's really easy to end up in this like hole of of self-loathing or or, you know poor self-image because who's telling you otherwise you know how are you supposed to climb out of that hole if no one's help giving you a hand up that's absolutely speaking of like that visibility of of disabled bodies and and some of the stories that we're starting to see get more traction in 2020 in terms of the media that we consume have had elements of intersectionality with queerness and uh, differently able people like Special, which was on mm. Netflix, which we talked about on this show. Yeah, How do you personally feel about some of these new narratives that are getting told through our media? Uh, does it feel like Mr. Leatherman sort of moments where you're like, yes, does it oh, feel like yes, accurate absolutely. representations? Like Special was really good. I, I love Special. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important to note one of the reasons why Special is so good is because it was written by a disabled man. Yes. And I don't mean that in a like, oh, able people can't write about us way. Like, I don't uh-huh. mean it like that. I mean that someone who lives this and loves it wrote it. Yeah. That experience and that love comes through you know and it doesn't dehumanize and it doesn't fetishize because it's coming from the right place you know i absolutely think that able people could write about disabled people by like in this same way i absolutely do i just think that it's harder because they they don't have that same exposure yeah um i would like more (laughs) yes i love special but like it's one show yeah most people haven't watched it even though they should it's real good it's Mm. a phenomenal Um, show but i do feel like this year is definitely moving towards sharing more and i hate to use the word non-traditional stories but just newer stories Mm. that haven't been told within our community Mm. you know i bang on about it in this show so many times being like i don't want to watch another story about a pretty white <laughs> affluent gay man oh my god right getting, yeah coming out of the closet and being loved by his family and then falling in love uh-huh. you know like i don't want to hear that story anymore it's like I, we've seen that it's done we, we're, we're, we're over seen it that. it's done and i want these new stories like special about different experiences within our community and i feel mm. the floodgates are kind of opening up on that yeah. 
especially yeah, with the I streaming agree. platforms. I, I think it's starting. I also like. I'm not going to lie. I'm not happy with where it is. Yeah. And I think one of the major reasons I'm not is because it's always you're allowed one thing, right? One. Like yeah. special was about like a cis white gay man, yes. <laughs> right? Who was disabled. It was great. I loved it. But also, call me when that can be about like a brown lesbian trans Absolutely. woman disabled person. You know, like that's like, a show I would watch. Tell right? Me please. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right, let's pivot over and talk about your um, artistic endeavours. Mm. You do podcasting um, and you started back in 2017 with Love and Luck podcast. Yes. Um, it's a, a fiction love story told via voicemails, which I love the premise of that. Like, that oh, sounds so cool. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so can you sort of tell our listeners a little bit about the show and, like, what was sort of behind your decision to take the story in such a positive direction? Because yeah. you've emphasized it's very warm and happy. Yes, we have a massive thing on our, our thing is always no one gets killed and everyone lives happily ever after. Yeah, no one it. dies in the promise. It's, <laughs> it's a we don't, story without yeah. death. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, that was actually a driving force when I was writing it. So yeah, Love and Luck is a queer love story set here in Melbourne. We use a lot of real Melbourne places and events. Yeah, it's about two guys who meet and they fall in love and then they find out they have magic powers Ooh. through the power of love. Um, <laughs> and yeah, use that power to support the queer community. Love it. And yeah, I wrote it because... A, I was going through a rough time and I just needed something to focus on. And I wrote it as this power fantasy. I wrote it as like, what if queers had magic powers <laughs> and we could like be happy <laughs> and like we could have nice things and we could have friends and family and everything. Like, I'm not going to pretend that like some darker stuff doesn't happen in the show. Yeah. It does. But the promise is always everyone will be okay. You know, everyone will be okay. We'll get through this because that's really important. Because, like, because yeah, queer media is so full of dead gays. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah. It's this leftover from the Hayes Code that then then just sort of permeated everything, and yeah. it permeated everything to such a degree. I think even like queers, we do it too, partially mm. because we've grown up on it, right? Like, you just learn that gays die. Yeah. It just feels familiar other, to tell a story yeah, that way after it, a while. And of course, I mean, the other unfortunate side of it is that most of us have been victims of hate and violence yeah. and there's nothing wrong with writing about your own experiences. By the way, I made a character in Love and Luck have PTSD because I have PTSD. Uh, that was a mistake <laughs> um, <laughs> because I wrote it and I was like, oh, this is so good for representation. I'm great. Forgetting that I then had to direct it and rehearse it and listen to it over and over and over yeah, again yeah, while yeah. I was making it. Mm. So yeah, don't be me. Um, that is but the perfect yeah. podcast trap. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. our producer is like, oh, babe, that thing happened to you this week. Do you want to talk about it? And you're like, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, totally. And then yeah, the microphone's the content. Like, oh, God. No. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I explicitly wanted this show to be somewhere where everyone was guaranteed a happy ending. There wasn't going to be a horrific breakup. There wasn't going to be someone getting killed. Like, there isn't going to be cheating mm -hmm. or abuse. Like, it's just, like... Anything bad that happens, happens from the outside, from external sources, and it's handled. You know, that was a big part of the power fantasy. It was like, what if 
we could stop homophobia. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that was, I mean, you know, I'm joking about it now, but it really was like the primary purpose of the show. Um, and yeah, it was my fun little hobby project. I just wanted to learn about making podcasts. I started in 2016 because we do um, seasonal cycles. So it was like, yeah, I'm just going to make this little thing. It's mm-hmm. just going to be some fun. And Amazing. then it got yeah. way more successful than we expected. Like we passed half a million downloads in April. Wow. Like, yes. So <laughs> like it's um a bit more popular than I anticipated. <laughs> Um, I mean, fortunately, I have just fallen in love with podcasting and fiction podcasting specifically. We have yeah. two other shows as well. Um, mm. Nims of Evil's Notions, which is a little sci-fi thing, and Supernatural Sexuality with Dr. Seabrook, which is a fictional radio show where people, you remember those wonderful old daggy shows I, in the 90s I where love, like um... people would call up to talk to a therapist about yes. sex and stuff? <laughs> yes. That's so we what did... I wanted our show to be so <laughs> <laughs> So we did that, except it's in a world where monsters are real. So people call in about like their vampire boyfriend oh and their gosh. werewolf girlfriend and stuff yes. like that. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's, we're currently working on season two of that at the moment. That was also been really fun, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I really love podcasting as this medium for queer storytelling because no one can stop me. Yeah. Right. That's it. Like, <laughs> you can't tell me, no, I'm going to make this cool thing and give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't stop me. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm a bit I'm frustrated by COVID because my plan, my next project was going to be an all in-person thing. I wanted to make an all-trans uh, cyberpunk show, but Whoa. COVID's ruined that mm, for now. Yeah. So we'll. There's going to be this explosion of queer oh um, creativity God, yeah. as soon as mm. like because we have to deal with the actual stress of a pandemic at the same time. Mm. I can't I can't wait to see the projects that come out of yeah um, the kind of frustrating isolation and lockdown of coronavirus including mm. an old trans uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> like that sounds incredible and that's the kind of thing you can never go to spotify for right like you can't call up spotify and be like hello mr spotify i would like some money please i'm gonna make an all trans cyberpunk show spotify would just be like uh that's not gonna make us any money so no yeah. <laughs> you know whereas like yeah. when i emailed spotify i was like uh last week our episode was real cool we sp- talked a little bit about really bad douching experiences we had. <laughs> <laughs> you'll really be liking yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah you know and, but yeah because podcasting is like the kind of the most diy publishing platform that exists at the moment like it's kind of punk a little bit it's extremely punk um because mm. i mean even something like video we're kind of beholden to like the youtube gods mm. right yeah you know, like yes there's yeah. vimeo but like mm. yeah <laughs> you know, whereas like podcasting you just need an rss and you're good that's it that's all you need no one can stop you and i think that's why like audio fiction in particular has a way higher percentage of queer characters than any other medium i've encountered because no one can stop you yeah you know and i just think that's marvelous well Aaron, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you this evening thank you so much for speaking to our audience about all of thank this thank you so much for having me of course um and how can our listeners fi- uh, sort of find and follow your work so easiest way is to just go to my website erinkian.com uh you can also at me on twitter i'm at erinkian if you want to listen to our podcasts you can find all those at passivalpez.com or loveandluckpodcast.com if that's the one you're most interested in that's pretty much it love it amazing thank you so much for the chat i don't think i've been informed and laughed (laughs) 
as much in an interview before, yeah. you know. Man, that's it was my like, brand, just like it ranting. It was like this interview. Like... <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. And then screaming, fully screaming. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Aaron. I, I really thank you so much. This has been so show. much fun. Well, we are at the end of our fourth last episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, weird. so weird. So weird. Um, just before we go, I do want to plug. <laughs> so we, we were talking about uh, other side gigs. and yes. uh, Hey, if we've only got four endeavors. episodes left, I'm getting in a fucking plug. This <laughs> Monday, so Monday the 3rd of August, is, is the fifth birthday of Granny Bingo, Amazing. which I'm pretty fucking proud of because we've done that. It's been sold out every five year old month grandmas. for five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so to celebrate, we decided to do the night, but instead of doing it at the pub, which we obviously can't do, we're doing it on Zoom. You oh, can grab a remember ticket. pubs? I oh, know. <laughs> the amazing Lisa Mann is our special guest. Oh, Lisa amazing. Who's been paying people's, yeah, she's been paying, paying people in the community's bills during lockdown, which is quite incredible. So she's going to come on and talk about that and do a little drag number for us. There's amazing prizes there's going to be a couple of celebrities popping as a surprise via zoom Are we celebrities uh, no uh, <laughs> no you even have to buy your own fucking ticket man um but if anyone wants to go jump onto granny bingo on instagram or facebook and you can find the links to grab a ticket it's yes monday the 3rd of august and anyone can play from anywhere in the world amazing oh and don't forget we have our after show with dylan o'hara talking about um sex work in victoria yeah. very mm. interesting interview and the decriminalization um, yeah and also other projects if you'd like to buy my debut fragrance it's called kick them while they're down while they're crying <laughs> about town it's a very distinct punch <laughs> like a scent is it the smell of peroxide <laughs> it's okay it, no it's the smell of cigarettes but after you've found a packet you know, that's uh-huh. been slightly damp oh, yeah, for a yeah, few yeah, weeks. Yeah. I know that um, smell very well. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called Kick From While They're Down, Clowning About Town. It's available at Chemist Warehouse exclusively <laughs> as of next week or via my online store, which is called Punch Your Way to Success. Uh, I love it. It'll be uh, right next to the Gina Liano one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I love you, Gina. And stay right. tuned for our next three ep- awesome episodes. But until yes. then, bye. 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 